This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. How you guys doing? That was cool, huh? So we had, I think, was it, was it like 180 kids, different kids during the week? 100 what? 186, thank you. I knew there was a numbers person out here. Um, 186 people, different kids during the week, and uh, one of about 100, I guess we average about 110, roughly or so, a night. And uh, a little bit different than different years, but I'll tell you what, really cool, because uh, you know, we got to do some stuff that was unique. Uh, the, the, the kids actually learned how to pray for each other, and actually spent time doing that. And... Um, uh, spent a lot of time with the indoor monitors. I thought it was really cool. Uh, Pastor Ron, as you know, is um, uh, uh, Pastor Ron and the family are down uh, south. Those Pastor Ron's mom had passed away last week, and so they're down there for the funeral. He asked me to fill in. So we do have one thing, one VBA-related thing to do um, before we get started here, and uh, that is uh, this, this, the Pastor Ron said that you have one final drawing. You guys remember that? No? Yeah? Okay. So you had one final drawing, so I want to bring this thing forward. And so uh, I think all the kids got a, uh, got a ticket. Did they get a ticket? Yep. Okay. All right. Um, so, uh, so he said he'd have $100, and so we've got $100 for each one. Hang on a second. I'm going to put on glasses. I tried this last night, and the only thing I could read was ticket. Um, so, uh, so let me grab one of these. All right. So this is for 100 bucks, which is actually pretty cool. Um, Buy like uh, three pieces of lumber. It'd be fantastic. All right. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, uh, so the number is uh, 640-9248. 640-9248. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great because I was going to ask. Here you go. Congratulations. I was going to ask her to help me afterwards too. Um, Notice how I just totally trust her. Didn't even look to see the ticket or anything like that. All right. Right. Fine. Okay. Great. So we're going to have... Um, yeah, we got, in about the next half hour, I'd like to um, uh, expand on, uh, on what we actually talked about and really the kind of the overarching theme uh, of VBA and really tie it together. So uh, a couple of things that were, were different, this, several things were different this year with VBA, uh, and if you, were, if you helped out, fantastic. Uh, you know, there's a number of things we couldn't do. Uh, we couldn't run buses because the way the social distancing rules would be, right, would have to have like, you know, $50,000 worth of buses going out so we could pick up kids in small groups. And uh, so we couldn't run buses. There's a number of other things we couldn't do. And so we said, you know, what could we do differently to, to, to make, uh, make what we are going to do more effective? Because it was fantastic to actually be able to have it, which was great because last year we couldn't do it. That was even weirder. This year was the first time we did it. Um, in, in two years. And so uh, there, there were a couple of things that we did. And so one of the things that was unique was uh, we decided to do VBA like a month ago. <laughs> so Pastor Ron was like, hey, let's do VBA. I'm like, woohoo, let's go. And, uh, and, and then the other thing um, was, okay, so if we're going to do this, kind of what are we talking about? What's the theme? How do we prepare and stuff like that? And I don't know if, if, if you guys picked up on it, but the last song that we did in worship, um, if you were here, you might have picked up on it, but the last song we did in worship, uh, Pastor Susan said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to frame the entire week around that song, Waymaker, right? And our, our, I think that's what it's called because that's what I think, that's what I call it, right? Uh, so if you think about it, she, she, goes, she just, she, in a meeting, she goes, she goes hey, it's a, he is a Waymaker, Thank you, miracle worker, 
promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, five things, five nights. I was like, wow, cool, we could do this, right? And so that's what we did. We, we, each, night was, each night was framed around a different thing about who Jesus is. And Pastor Ron's goal was, he said, hey, listen, what we want to do is we want, um, he'd seen this, this is, comes from the, uh, the video series, Matthew, where he said the last scene in Matthew was Jesus turns around and says like this, come follow me. And he said, we just want people to, uh, to get to know Jesus and fall in love with Jesus either for the first time or more. Uh, during this week. And so anything we can do that helps that. And uh, for, the, for everyone who is here, first of all, thank you. Um, there was a, a number, a lot of kids that got, that got saved, and uh, that was awesome. And, uh, but the biggest thing was there was a lot of people who got to see um, how to apply the Word of God to their lives. And if we learn how to apply the Word of God to our lives... Um, it will change our lives forever. And so what I want to talk about is actually those five things. Um, that Jesus is our way maker. He is a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. And actually, we're going to start with the last one first, just because it's weird, and so am I. Um, because I just, it occurred to me that the last piece is, he says, my God, that is who you are. That unless you can call Jesus my God, that the first four don't mean anything to you, right? So unless, until, and, and until, and, or you could say this, um, diagnostically, diagnostically, unless I am counting on Jesus as my way maker, in, in, in my everyday life, is he my miracle worker? In my everyday life, is he my promise keeper? In my everyday life, uh, is he the light in my darkness? Um, then, then the, if the answer to that is no, then the question is, is he my God? And this is what I mean when I talk about him being my God. I don't mean, is Jesus God? I mean, is Jesus my God? I don't mean, is Jesus the savior of the world? I mean, is Jesus my savior? I don't mean, did Jesus die for our sins? I mean, did Jesus die for my sins? There's a big difference between that. And one of the things we talked about with the kids when we were out in the uh, Connections tent, uh, and we're going to spend a whole bunch of time on that, this particular part today, um, is, is I said to the kids, I said, there is, a, there is a vast distance between here and here. It seems like it's only about 12 inches between my, my head and my heart. But there's a big difference between intellectualism and actual, and actual belief. See, there's a number of things that we can give mental assent to. We can say, yes, I agree with that. But it's not enough to say, yes, I agree with that. That's actually not the biblical term for believing. People will say, yeah, I believe it about God. But unless you believe God, then you're not really believing. There's, a, there's a, this great gap between what I believe, facts and figures and things like this that I might agree with, and actually doing something about it. Because in the, in the West, in the kind of West Greek culture that we've grown up in uh, thinking, um, there's a lot of this. As if I have the right facts and figures, then that must mean that I'm aligned with it. And that's actually not true. In, in, the, in the, the, the Hebrew mind and in the, in the Ori, Oriental or Near Eastern culture, it, it was about what you did about it that demonstrated whether or not you believed something. And so that's where we kind of get this mistake. We, we think sometimes that, that if I believe the right things about God, that if I believe the right things about Jesus, that if I go to the right church, that if I do the right things, that that makes me a Christian. 
And that's actually not true. And, and we're going we're gonna to find that out here. And so the very first question, we're going to spend the majority of the next 25 minutes or so talking about really one large passage of scripture. And then we'll get into him being a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, and light in the darkness. Because again, if we don't have this first part down, nothing else matters. So let's start in the book of John. So John was written, um, the, 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 other four, the other three Gospels are called synoptic Gospels, or, or we're talking about Jesus and what he did. And John is a little bit different because John wrote his Gospel, probably the last one, uh, and John wrote the gospel, his, his, his Gospel um, as, as a means of saying, not what did Jesus do, and let's prove who he is by what he did, but just I'm going to talk about who Jesus is. And so he starts out in the beginning here, and, and it takes a little bit of time to figure this part out sometimes because he's, he's switching words. So let's take it a little bit slowly, slowly for me. He takes it a little bit slowly, and, 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 and see what he says here. It says, in the beginning, this is John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. Okay, so think about that. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is a Trinitarian view of things, right? So, in the beginning was the Word. So, it identifies the Word. And identifies the Word as being with God and then being God. And then he says, he was in the beginning with God. Who is he? The Word, right? All things were made through him. Now, we could substitute that to say all things were made through the Word. The Word is the agent of creation, now, God the Father may have been the architect of creation, but the Word is the agent of creation. He is the chief operating officer, if you will. He is the one who got things done. It says, it says this, it says, All things were made through him, the Word, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So everything that's ever been made was made through this Word. In him was life, and now you're going to see something else come up. So first it's the Word, and it says, In him was life, now he's life. And the life was the light of men. So, in the beginning was the word. The word is life. The, and, and the life is the light of men. And now he suddenly transitions and says, now that I've told you that he's the word, the creator, the life, and the light. Then he's saying that the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. And oftentimes we think that that word there, comprehend, means understand it. It means refuses to understand, refuses to agree with it. And so it says the light refused it would be a different way of, you, of thinking about that. And then he says this, and he's a little parenthetical statement. He says to understand who this word is. Now he's going to tell us who the word, the light, the life, that is the light of men and the creator is. He says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness to the light. And now we know that if he bears witness to the light, what he's saying is, is he's bearing witness to the light, which is the light of men, which is the life of all things, who is the creator God, who is the word, who is with God in the beginning. You guys following me or are we confused yet? Okay, I had coffee, so we're just going on. All right, here we go. Because I can't stop. Woo all right, okay, here we go. He says, this man came for a witness to bear a witness to the light that through him, that all through him might believe. He was not the light. John was not the light. But he was sent to bear witness to that light. That light was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now he's saying the light was that that light that is God himself, that is the word, 
that is the creator, the creator was coming into the world. Now the reason why John talked about John the Baptist is who was John the Baptist bearing witness to? Jesus Christ. So now we can take all of that and change it and have it read something like this. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with, it was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. That means Jesus is the creator. In Jesus was life. That means Jesus is life. And the life was the light of men. And the light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, but the darkness refused to accept it. Now, there was a man sent from God whose, whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear, to bear witness to Jesus that all through him might believe. He was not the Savior or the Creator or the Word or God, but he was sent to bear witness to Jesus. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. The Creator God coming into the world is Jesus. Cool? All right. Then it says, he, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him. But the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. You see, when it says the world did not know him, it, 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 it's, it's, the world refused to acknowledge him for who he is. And because the world, generally world, refused to acknowledge him as the creator God come into the world to, to, to rescue us from the situation that we created ourselves in the Garden of Eden, which was sin, which leads to death. The reason why he's called life is he's the opposite of death. And when he says that, that because the world generally refused to acknowledge him for who he is, they would not receive him. They would not take him to themselves. Now, here's the thing. Jesus didn't leave options open about his identity. He actually said, I am. The reference was to the guy at, that spoke out of the burning bush to Moses when Moses said, who should I say sent me? And he said, tell them I am sent you. When Jesus said that, the Jews at the time, the, the Jewish Pharisees at the time who did not like Jesus they were mad. They actually picked up stones to throw at him because they're like, and he's like, wait, for which one of the good things I've been doing are you, are, you, are you about to stone me? They said, not for any of these things, but you're claiming to be, you're just a man and you're claiming to be God. They understood exactly what he was saying. Exactly what he was saying. So Jesus didn't leave them. So listen, let me make sure we're clear on this. Was Jesus a good man? Absolutely. Was he a good teacher whose teachings and, and, and sayings are, are things that we should, we should live by? Without a doubt. Okay, But if we leave it at that, we're actually taking him and making him something that he never claimed to be. Just a nice guy. If someone says, oh, you believe in Jesus? That's nice. I believe in Jesus and Santa Claus and other things. And, you know, it's, 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 right? I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not enough. Jesus said, no, you don't understand. I am God come into this world. The creator God come into this world to rescue the height of my creation, you and me, from the consequences of our sin. Now, now, now that, means, that means that Jesus was either, was, as C.S. Lewis said, he was either a liar, the world's greatest liar, he was a lunatic, 
on the order of a person who believes that he's the same as a head of, as a head of cabbage? Or he's Lord? But you can't have some middle ground that we create for him. We either need to acknowledge him for who he is or reject him and suffer the consequences or, or, or accept the consequences of either of those actions. Either acknowledge him for who he is and receive him or do not accept him and have the, and have the consequences for that. But it says this. It says, it says he was in the world. The world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own. He came to his creation. He came to the ones that he loved. And, and, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received them, they gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of, of man, but of God. Well, it says that there are two things that are required. Here's, my, here's the question, the central question of, of this passage, is, is how do we make ourselves right with God? I'm going, to, I'm going to make an assumption because it's true, that, uh, because people can deny it, whatever you want to say about it, but we all understand that at some level, we are sinners. We have, we have violated God. And, and you can see it in the world. People deny it all. It doesn't matter. People are always trying to make up for stuff, right? And, and, and the question becomes is, is how, how do we deal with the wrong things that we have done. How do we deal with that? How do we look at ourselves? I, I think about this, like, like at night, after I've you know, changed into my PJs and brushed my teeth and everything like that, and right before I turn off the light in the, in the bathroom, right, the, the, the guy who's looking back at me in the mirror, that guy. How do I look at that guy? And I know me, right? And how do I deal with the sin that I would see? And so let me tell you something. What, what led me ultimately to become a Christian, I was a young guy, I was 19 years old. What led me ultimately to, um, to Christ and to becoming a Christian was, was, a, was a question and a, and a realization. And the first question was this. The first question that I had was this. I grew up in a really traditional church. And, and the first question was this. It was, one, if I, could, if I could, because all I was doing was trying to make up for my sin. Like I did something bad today, and so I tried to do something good the next day. Like that kind of thing, right? And I thought, well, you know, if I do something good today, it kind of, kind of scores points, right? If I do something bad, it kind of bad points. And as long as at the, end of the, at the end of my life my ledger is positive, I guess I go to heaven. Like that's what I was thinking, right? And then, I, and then this, this question occurred to me was if I could be made right with God by doing good things, why is Jesus hanging on the cross? Like a criminal. Why is he dying a criminal's death? Like, why didn't Jesus just come down and go, hey, I'm God. I'm your creator. Feed, some, feed the 5,000, heal, heal some people, maybe walk on the water. That would be impressive, stuff like that. And go, do those kinds of things. Be nice to each other. I'll see you all in heaven. Why is, why is he hanging on the cross? And I realized that he wasn't hanging on the cross for our sins. Although that was true, he was hanging on the cross for my sin. And then the second revelation became super important to me. Is that my sin wasn't my real problem. And I'll tell you, if you're listening here, the sound of my voice. Your sin, if you don't know Jesus, your sin is not your problem. And I know that sounds weird. I know some people are looking at me like, what? <laughs> you mean I got a bigger problem than sin? Yeah. 
Yeah, because, because my sin wasn't my problem. The things that I was doing to violate, to hurt God, to dishonor God, to hurt other people, to do those things that ultimately hurt myself, those things that I was doing weren't my problem. The problem was the source of those things. You see, the sin was a symptom of the fact that I was a sinner. And so that meant that I was the problem. I was the problem. Not, not the things that I did. I was the problem. And see, so if I was the problem and I sinned today, and then I was the problem and I tried to do something good tomorrow, then I was still the problem. And until somebody rescued me from being me, it would never change. And that's what Jesus came to do. And so I asked myself, I said, well, this, this creates a real conundrum for people, right? Because if I'm the problem and I can't get away from myself, how do I solve this problem of sin? If doing good things over and over and over again is never going, if doing something good today is never going to affect the bad thing that I did yesterday, how do I deal with this issue of sin? And so in this passage of Scripture, there are the two prerequisites to be saved from the consequences of my sin. Now, I want to make sure we read this here. Um, he, says, he says those. He says this. As many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And let's talk about what we're saying here. He says, who are born, you can have the right to be called a child of God. And if I have the right, that means I have the ability to be called God's child. And if that's true, then that means the sin issue has been taken care of. And that means that I'm born into the kingdom of God itself. With all of the rights and responsibilities of it, I'm born into the kingdom of God itself. And it says here, just to be clear, it says, if this is true, if if you become a child of God, then you're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. The the, the underlying word there for born is, is where we get our word for generate. Generated by God. Generated by God. That's, what, that's why two chapters later when Jesus was speaking with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, you must be born again. Nicodemus is all confused. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, no, I'm not talking about going back into your mother's womb and being born. I'm talking about you need to be regenerated. You need to be born all over again on the inside. And that deals with the sin problem. And so it, it, it lines out in John in this right here. It lines out two specific requirements because there are requirements to be born again. Two requirements. And let's look at these two requirements here right now. Okay. It says here, these two requirements, it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So we'll take that in order, right? To those who received him, to those who believe in his name. So we must believe and receive. And in order to receive, we need to believe. So let's talk about what we're receiving is first. So there are Weirdly, three different underlying Greek words that the Apostle John could have chosen to use that we would have translated into the word take or receive. And, and, it, and it's interesting because when you look it up, there's three different words. And the first word is over here, and it is totally active on my part. It means to reach out with the force of my personality and will and strength and grab and pull it to myself. I often think of like a, uh, like a um, MMA or a cop trying to, uh, trying to arrest and apprehend a thief. He reaches out and he grabs him and pulls him, right? That's the first 
take or receive. That's not this word. The next word is over here, which is totally passive. I call it the millennial receive. All right, so I'm just kidding. Um, it's totally passive. I sit here and do nothing, and it's given to me. Right? Now some of the parents are getting it. All right, so I'm just sitting here waiting for a job. Okay, so, um, so, so here I am. I've done nothing, and it's totally given to me. That's not the word. That's not the word. Now, now God has done everything for salvation, but that's not the word. There's a different word, and it's the word that's used here, and it's actually, if you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, it says it's not that, it's not this, it's right in the middle. So what does that mean? If it's not totally active, meaning it's all on me, and it's not totally passive, meaning it's 100% God and, and I have no part in it, and it's something in the middle, what does that mean? Well, this word means literally to put myself in a position to receive, to do the things that are required to receive. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. How, does that, how, do, I, how do I understand that today in my modern mind? And, and here's the best way I could put it. Um, imagine that I am a wide receiver on a football team. Got that? Okay. I know it takes a lot of imagination to reimagine that. Right? At one point in time, I played tight end, um, but mostly I was really just good at hitting people, so they put me on defense. Okay. But imagine that I was, I was fleet of foot enough uh, to, to play wide receiver. Okay? So I'm out here. I'm out on the end of the line, and you know, we're all the way over there. I'm the wide receiver all by myself. There's a quarterback over here. The quarterback, it's a pass play. The quarterback snaps the ball, and I stand here, and I wait for the quarterback to run over and hand me the ball. What am I? I'm, I'm benched is what I am, right? I am kicked off the team. They're like, we don't think you understand what a wide receiver is, but that's not it, right? Um, that's, not, that's, not, that's not it. You're totally passive. You have to do something, right? Okay, okay. All right, fine. All right, what if I'm standing out here on the end of the line, quarterback snaps the ball, and I run over to the quarterback and grab the ball from him and start running? Now, that might be an actual play, but am I a receiver? No, what am I? I'm a running back, right? Yeah. Or it's a broken play because the quarterback's standing there and he's like, Pree! and he's like, what the heck's going on, right? And so, and so, so I'm, not a, I'm not a receiver, right? If I am a wide receiver, then I have a job. My job is to, whatever it is, I'm going to run a slant. I'm going to run, I'm going to run a post. I'm going to run a crossing route. I'm going to run some kind of something, right? I'm going to run some kind of predetermined route. And I'm going to run down the field, and this is because I did play receiver a little bit. This is the thing, dun, 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 and you make your break and you look. And a really good quarterback, if you guys, if you guys are on timing, and, and you'd make your break and you'd look, and the ball would be right there. And you'd, you'd have to make the break and look like this. And sometimes even, if you guys watch the NFL enough, sometimes even you'll see sometimes that guys will get binged in the back of the head. With the, uh, with the football, it's because they weren't expecting it. They were like, I thought I was going to run down a little more, and the quarterback's like, he's going to be right there, ping, and he pings him in the head, right? And so I'm supposed to turn and look for the ball, and that's what's supposed to happen, right? This is my tight end thing as opposed to wide receiver thing. Um, and so, so here I am, and I'm supposed to look for the ball, right? And then the quarterback's job is to put the ball where we agreed, right? And so the receiver's job is what? Is, they call him a receiver. It's amazing, right? And his job is to put himself in position to receive the thing that's being delivered to him. Yep. Cool? Yeah. So that's what we mean when we talk about receiving. Okay, so our job, the first thing is we need to put ourselves in position to do that. And the primary thing to do with that is, one, to understand 
who God is and to acknowledge who he is. Two, to acknowledge who we are. He is God coming to the world to save us from our sins. I'm the problem. And, and repentance is required. I need to turn away from my way of thinking and turn towards God. That's the receiving part. And then there comes this issue of believing. And this is what we're going to spend the next couple of minutes on. He says here, he says this word believe. It's not just mental assent. It's used in the New Testament of the conviction and trust to which a man is impelled by a certain inner and higher prerogative and law of the soul. It means to trust in Jesus as able to aid either in obtaining or doing something. When we talk about saving faith, what we mean is, is in the West, a lot of times when we say believe, we mean agree with. But, but when they use this word believe, what they mean is, think about this, is to lean the entire weight of my life and personality onto something and to believe in it and to believe in him for my eternal destiny. So I'm going to take my eternal destiny and I'm going to lean it completely on him so that if he's not there, I'm just going to fall flat. That's what it means to believe. Let me illustrate. Um, I asked a few people uh, to come help me uh, with an illustration. Do you mind coming and help me? Can you bring your daughter with you? Would that be cool? Would you like to come help us? Would you like to come help us? Okay, good, great. That's fantastic. We needed a victim. Fantastic. All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, so come on, come on up here. We got four guys. Come on, come on, come on, come on up here. What's, what's your name? Leah. Leah. Okay, Leah. Leah, we're gonna you, we're gonna be down here. Down we're gonna be down here. Okay, Leah. We did this thing called a trust fall. Do you remember them? Okay, okay, great. So we're going to do a trust fall here. So here's how this works. Um, what I need is, uh, I'll st- I'll, yeah, I'll stay up here. Um, so what I need for you guys is, um, Matt, you've done this before, so why don't you? Okay, so you guys are going to stand like, like this, like this, and you're going to kind of see, see how your arms are like this? Closer, she's not that tall. All right, so you're just going to be like this, right? Okay? That. There, there. Okay? And all you do is she's going to turn around, and she's going to fall, and you guys are going to catch her. It's going to be awesome. Okay, so you're going to stand here, and, and, and then you're going to cross your arms, and uh, why don't you get a little closer, you're going to cross your arms and tuck your chin, and when I say go, now one of the things that's going to happen is you're going to want to sit down, so don't do that because you'll fall, right, so you want to <laughs> stay straight up and you're going to fall, and, and yeah, this isn't that impressive, hang on, yeah, so we need a chair, that would be better. So here we go. This way, if you fall and they don't catch you, it'll be awesome. Um, we'll pray for your healing. So here, stand up on that. And I'm going to stand here. I'm going to, I'm going to stand here. And, uh, and, and I'm going to hold the chair so it doesn't go that way. Cool? All right. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. I'm going to tell you a couple of things. One. Make sure you stay straight, because if you sit, you'll fall right through, and that'll be bad. Two, keep your arms crossed, because if you don't keep your arms crossed, you'll whack your dad in the head with your elbow. He'll, he'll get knocked out, and you'll fall, okay? We're not worried about him, but you'll get knocked out, and you'll fall, okay? And then, and then, and then three, remember, you're going to stay straight, right? Okay, cool? And then you tuck your chin, because otherwise, if you hit your, your head, it'll snap, and it'll be bad. And then the one thing I want to let you know, last week, we did this with about 70 kids or so that we did this. And we haven't dropped anybody yet. Okay? Yet. All right. So, no, we haven't dropped anybody. Do you believe that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say, th- one, have you done this before? Okay. Because if you had, I'd say close your eyes. It's even scarier if you close your eyes. But, so, you're only, 
You're only seven or eight feet off the ground. Okay, so here we go. Are you ready? One, two, three. How'd that go? <laughs> I love the look on your face. You went like this. She goes, she goes no. And then you got, you're like, holy cow. How was that? Were you, was it scary? A little bit was everything in your body going, oh, have you lost your mind, Leah? You, you, you don't do this. That's not a thing you do. Give these guys a hand. Okay. She had no idea. I'm so glad, I'm so glad she won the 100 bucks. She had no idea she was doing this this morning. And uh, uh, that's great. And by the way, it's really glad that, that her dad was one of the people who caught her. Um, seriously. So here's the thing. Two words. Trust and action. If you don't put action to your trust, it won't work. You don't really have trust. Trust and action. Here's my central question, and we're going to go through the rest of these scriptures fairly quickly in the next about five, seven minutes or so. We spent the whole time on this because it's really important, because if you cannot say that you trust God and that you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and if you've not if you've not taken the action, taken the leap like Leah did going at some point, because I know this is what happens, right? At some point, because you're like, you're, everything in your body is like, mm, I think we were taught not to do this, right? You're like, mm, she's clearly lost her mind, right? But intellectually, she's like, no, 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 I can do this, right? And then she has to just kind of and let herself go. At some point, we have to do that with our life. God's never failed anyone. Not if you really believe he is who he says he is. If you believe who he is who he says he is, you know that he's going to catch you. You know that all the rest of these things are ultimately just academic because he's your God. John, as a matter of fact, says, These things I've written that you may believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. What does that mean? If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you have trusted him and you have taken the action required to surrender your life to him, then Jesus becomes your way maker. See, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, he didn't say, I'm going to show you a way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. When Jesus said that, is it true? Absolutely true. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, true. And you can trust him with your life. He will be the person who makes a way for you. No matter where you, what circumstance you find yourself in, you start there and he'll make a way for you back to God. In Matthew 21, 22, he says, you can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. Why? Because Jesus is a miracle worker. God is a miracle working God. And the very first miracle is he takes a sinner and turns them into a saint. But he does tons of other things. And he wants you to know this. And I want to give you something really just to help us understand this. And we talked with, talk with people this week about this. And I just want you to get something real quick to help understand this. You might say, and we had a bunch of people, and she did a great job, by the way. She was just like, woo, she's going on too, right? And we had some people kind of, kind of freak out, right? So let me tell you about Matthew. Can I take, take a couple of minutes of your time and tell you one of my favorite kids, Matthew? We're doing the trust falls out there first night, and, uh, and you, had to, you had to know one of the memory verses, right? You had to know the memory verse, and, and so we're there with the, with the, with the younger kids, and, uh, and this kid, Matthew, raised his hand. One of the helpers uh, helped, brought him up, and Matthew is probably this tall, probably like seven, eight years old, real shy, and he comes up, and he knows this memory verse. 
So we bring him up on stage, which is a little bit higher than this. They're actually a little bit higher. And we bring him up on stage and we put him on the thing. And Matthew gets up in the chair and there's four guys. And Matthew probably weighs 60 pounds. We could have had just one person catch him. It was fine. But we still had four people there. We want to make sure he, he knew we were going to catch him. And I looked at Matthew and I told him the exact same thing. Cross your arms, tuck your chin, don't sit down. And, and instead fall straight back. And I looked at him and I said, we're not going to drop you. He goes, okay. And he stands up there and he froze. And he just... The whole fear, flight, the fight, flight, freeze thing, just he froze. And, and we're trying to encourage him, come on, Matthew, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And he just, and he, and he, and he, he, just, he just couldn't do it. And I turned him around and said, Matthew, just look at me, man, look at me. I'm, we're not going to drop you. You can fall right on me. I'm not going to drop you, dude. And he goes, okay, okay, okay. Couldn't do it. I said, what, you want to do it from a lower distance? No, 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 couldn't do it. And he started to walk away. And, and, and I, we got him down. He started to walk away. I just looked at him and said, Matthew, if you want to come back up, not a big deal. If you want to come back up, nobody's mad at you. No, you're, it's, it's not a failure on your part. Don't think of it like that. If you want to come back up, just come right back up. Cool? Okay. And he goes back and he sits down. We get this other kid. He's like, yeah! Right? He gets up, yeah! Right? And, uh, and he was all excited about it, right? This other kid comes up and he gets up and guess what he does? Freezes. No, he freezes, man. He freezes. And he freezes, and he's looking around, he freezes, and he just can't make himself do it. But he did this really cool thing. He had seen Caleb, uh, this kid Caleb, was like six foot, buck 70, he fell. So he, other kids have seen him. We weren't just asking them to do it blind like we asked Leah to do it blind. We, they'd seen other people, larger people, get, do, do the drop, right? And he's seen it. And so Caleb is sitting up there, and Caleb's like, come on, dude. Come on, dude. You can do it. I did it. You can do it. They caught me. They'll catch you, right? This is like a thing that we do, right? We try to encourage each other to trust God for the promises of God. And he's like, okay, okay. Can't do it. And then he looked at things over at Caleb, and he goes, can you push me? <laughs> right? You're asking a teenage boy, can I push me off the edge? Of course he's going to push you. And he just, he just goes, dink, and he pushed him, right? Sometimes we need a good friend in our life to help push us, right? I thought, wow, that's a great illustration, right? So everyone's like, woohoo! He's like, ah! Right? This, he was just all, you know, like, like six feet of energy, and he was like this tall, right? And so then the girl does it, and we're going to go, and we're going to sit back down, and there's Matthew standing up there. What? Matthew's standing right next to me. Just quiet, shy. Standing right there. I go, Matthew? He goes, can I try again? Okay, okay. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Let's go. Bring him up. Bring him up. Stand him up and thing. Everyone's like, Matthew, 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 Matthew. Freezes. Can't do it. Try again. Looking at him. Matthew. <laughs> 70 people. <laughs> right? <laughs> Freezes. One of the guys, one of the, one of the other Connections tent uh, volunteers. I forget if it was uh, if it was Charlie, if it was Mike. He goes, hey, listen, man, let's pull the chair away. Let's do it from lower. Will you do that? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. And so he pulls it away. So now he's just like on the stage, and um, he's, he's, he can't do it. Now he's just he's just totally frozen, and you can see he's dejected and he's starting to freak out a little bit and he's just totally dejected, right? And so uh, again, one of the guys goes, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hold you. And I'm just going to lay you down in everybody's arms so you can feel what it feels like. Right? And then pull you back up. And so he, so he does that. He lets him do that. Lays him down. Pulls him back up. Goes, cool? He goes, cool. He goes, I go, we're not going to drop you. One, two, three. And he goes. And the place went, <laughs> place went nuts. 
I almost threw Matthew across the tent because I grabbed him. I'm like, yeah, and I pulled him up like this, and he just whoosh, almost disc, like a discus, right? Because he's just a little kid. Grab him, like, yeah. It was so great to see him overcome that. But you want to know something? You want to know something in that moment? And I want to give this to you guys. In that moment, I remember something. The scripture that says, faithful in little, faithful in much. We think that only applies to us. We think that that's, if we're faithful in little things, God will give us bigger things to be faithful. God will give us bigger things to be faithful. Do you know something? That if you're scared and you try to trust God for for the promises of God and you're trying to surrender your life, you're trying to make it happen, that, that if you're failing, he's not mad at you. That he's sitting there going, Matthew, if your name's Matthew. Um, and, and, you know, he's sitting there, he's calling your name, he's cheering you on. And he'll even break it down because he'll say, let me just show you I can be faithful in this one little area of your life. God already knows he's faithful in big areas of your life. He already knows that. But he goes, let me be faithful in this area so you'll trust me for something bigger. So you'll trust me for something bigger. So you'll trust me for something bigger. So wherever you are right now, start where you are right now. And if it's something small, and if you've walked off the stage because you, you froze when you were trying to trust God, you know what? Walk back on. He will be your miracle worker. Promise keeper, he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. God makes promises, and he cannot lie. Hebrews 6.13 says this, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because God could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. So after, after Abraham had patiently endured, did it happen right away? There's a big gap of years between the time that God promised Abraham a kid and the time Isaac was born. But after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and and an oath for confirmation is for them the end of all dispute. And so God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability, the, the it does not stop speaking, it does not change part of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie. Did you see that? If God lies... The entire universe collapses into chaos. God cannot lie or he wouldn't be God. And if God has made you a promise, it is true. And if it hasn't come to pass yet, it's just waiting. It is impossible for God to lie. And if he said he would save you from the consequences of your sin, he will. If he said he would fix your finances, he will. If he said that he would heal someone, he will. If he said that, that, that he, would, he, would, he would take you from depression, he will. If he said he would calm your fears, he will. He says, this is why we, have, we, we, we flee for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. And finally, if Jesus is your God then this, this can be true of you. Jesus spoke to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And Jesus is the light that leads to life, which is the, God himself. And so here's the thing, the very first question. All of those promises are true. He is our way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper. And he is our light in the darkness. But the very first question is, is he your God? Let's pray. Father, I just ask that what we're about to do right now, give people the opportunity to surrender their lives fully to you, that by your Holy Spirit, that you would move in the midst of everyone who's hearing me right now.
Now we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask that that you um, uh, that if you're here today and you believe this, that you would reaffirm your faith with, in Christ. And if you're here for the very first time, and maybe you've maybe you've given Him your mental assent, but you've never surrendered your life, you've never taken the action, you've never stepped off the stage and taken the action, and you would like to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, that you'd pray with us right now and do that. And I just ask that you pray after me. Say, dear God, you know that I'm a sinner. And I cannot change that. But I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. That he came into the world for my sin. That he died on the cross in my place. And he rose from the dead. So that I can be changed. Please forgive me. And come into my life. And all that I am. I surrender to you now. In Jesus name. Amen.